Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together with Bruce, we have written 36 cookbooks, including the latest, the Instant Air Fryer Bible, made for any air fryer, but specifically written for the Vortex and Omni machines from Instant Brands, the folks who make the Instant Pots, but you could use it with any machine. We're not talking about air frying in this episode. We're talking about comfort food again. We've been on a jag about comfort food, and we're going to continue on that tag and talk about ways to find comfort in food. We've got our typical one-minute cooking tip. Bruce has an interview with Brittany Mullins, an author of the book Mostly Vegetables, out just right now, right? Mm-hmm. It's just New book. now. And we're going to, of course, talk about what's making us happy in food this week. So let's get started. We've talked about comfort food in the last few episodes, and we talked about how it's changed over the years, basically from being like a convalescence food to an indulgent food, right? Right. That is the big, huge shift. And we should say that that means that for many of us, including me, ice cream, a pint of ice cream, is the ultimate comfort. I mean, listen, when I'm feeling down or out or my week's been too much or, I don't know, anything like that, there's a couple local ice cream stores that I'll go to, and, and one of them only sells ice cream by the quart, which is really nice. dangerous. <laughs> um, and, I, and I love some of their flavors more than I can possibly. Or their chocolate cherry cheesecake is fantastic. And, you know, I mean, listen, we pass that off as comfort food, but there's a lot of ways to find comfort beyond ice cream. Well, there is. There's also chocolate, and there's also yes, lots of indulgence. Look, we want something special, as Mark said, but... How else can we find happiness and comfort around food that doesn't involve eating an entire chocolate cake? Well, that's the question. That is a question. And one of the ways that is traditionally uh, said, stated, and maybe you want to talk about this for a minute, but I have a quibble with this, is that you should share a meal with someone. That sharing a meal with someone brings better comfort than eating alone. Maybe you want to talk about that because I have a quibble with it, but let's <laughs> let's at least talk about it for a minute. Well, the thing is, you don't have to entertain, right? You don't have to put yourself out on a limb. You don't have to go to a whole lot of work. Right. Um, you can even just bring food to a friend's or a neighbor's. You could do a takeout pizza, takeout Chinese, or you could make a salad. You can even have a virtual dinner companion. The idea of sharing a meal is so wonderful because you get to see some other human being. And sometimes that's enough to really bring you out of a funk is just talking to another person, right? Right, it is. And see, again, it's eating to bring you out of a funk. But I have to say, and here's my quibble, is that of the two of us, Bruce is a big extrovert and I'm a big introvert. And people drain me. I mean, listen, I love my friends. I love seeing them. I love talking to them. I have a standing tea date on FaceTime with a friend almost every week who's now moved out of my area and lives away, but still we talk to each other about once a week. I I love doing all that, but people drain me, and there's no doubt that when we have people over and we have company over, and Bruce as the big extrovert wants the house full of people all the time, when they leave, I sigh <laughs> a big sigh of relief uh, that they're gone. And it's not that I don't like them. It's that they are a draining activity for me. For me, comfort food is often eating by myself. Mm. 
I understand that, but some people are alone all the time. Yes, and that's, that's what true. gets them down. And then all the little things <laughs> in their life that might or might not get you down if you have someone else in your life or if other things are occupying you really start to get to you when you're alone. So not eating alone all the time is a way to bring yourself sort of up from the doldrums, and it involves food. Yeah, so it, it. It, it, it does. And, you know, let's let's say right here. That I know that a lot of people face loneliness in their lives, and they're not introverts, and they don't crave it the way I do. I mean, I love it when Bruce goes off to rehearsal. Bruce sings with an early Baroque choir, mm -hmm. and he goes off to rehearsals with it. They think Bach is way too late for them. And he goes off to rehearsals for his early Baroque choir, which is fabulous. And we have this running joke that he comes back home from rehearsal at night and all the lights are off throughout the entire house and the lights are off outside. The house is completely, we live so rurally, you couldn't see our house if you wanted to. It's completely dark. And I'm down in the basement with the dogs watching TV and the only light on is in the basement. You couldn't even tell there's any house there. So there, I, a lot of people like me like in relish being alone and by themselves. But at the same time, there's a lot of loneliness out there. And let me introduce this idea just to you for just a second. And that is that there is a great way to find other friends. And it's not necessarily in the ways that you think. We have discovered over the course of our life that friends are mostly found through activities. That is, um, when I we lived in New York, I took French classes well, I got to be really good friends with the people in my French classes. In fact, we moved together as a class. We liked each other so much. We actually asked the Alliance Francaise if we could stay together as a class. So, you know, I mean, we made friends out of that. We've sung in choirs. We've made friends out of Bruce's singing career at his various choirs. That's a career. <laughs> Hardly a career. Right. Not paid for it. Right. Exactly. We've made friends out of the book groups that I teach. I teach a lot of literary seminars and a lot of book groups across New England. We've made friends out of there. So joint activities, it strikes me, is absolutely key to finding somebody that you might want to have dinner with. Yeah, that's really a very good point. And Having company in the kitchen is also another way to use food to bring you happiness. And this is really interesting. When we first left New York and our little apartment in Manhattan and moved mm -hmm. to this house in the country, I would make dinner every night in our you know, new kitchen, which was like half the size of our old apartment. And Mark and our first dog, Dreidel, would just sit on the floor together in the kitchen yes, while I yes, made dinner every night. Something yes, we couldn't do Yes, this we had a dog named Dreidel. <laughs> yes, we did. And just having company in the kitchen was great. So let's say you live alone. You can have someone in the kitchen virtually. That's a great time to have a FaceTime call or a Zoom call with someone. They don't have to be cooking. It's just no. a really nice time to be sharing your experience of what you're doing in the kitchen with somebody else. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, th this is something that's really, it, to me, is crucial is that I'm going to keep coming back to the introvert thing. Part of the thing with me is that when Bruce goes away, and Bruce is the chef in our duo, and when he goes away or out of town, sees his family, goes out for work, etc., I tend to cook for myself, which is actually he does most of the cooking in our house, but I tend to cook for myself. I'll figure out what I want over the next few days. I'll go shop for it. I'll make it. And 
I actually get a lot of pleasure out of that, but that's not with someone else. I put on podcasts, <laughs> like cooking with Bruce and Mark. I put on <laughs> podcasts, and I listen to all kinds of podcasts while I cook. I have a grand time. The dogs and I, you know, sit in our dark house and eat our dinner, and <laughs> we have a lovely time together. But you're right. There is a way that conviviality brings out more comfort in food without any, without any doubt. I mean, uh, there's a reason why old potluck suppers and, I don't know, wakes at funerals and the giant spreads at shivas. There's a reason all of that always happens because the food is kind of the thing that brings everyone together. I want to share something that makes me really happy with food, and it doesn't involve eating a whole cake or a can of frosting. And you know those cans of frosting come with spoons inside the lid. It's really gross because, you, you know, it's easy to eat the whole can. So I love to go food shopping, and I enjoy finding small little specialty food stores. Even where we live in rural New England, if I drive 40 minutes, I can find a new Middle Eastern store or Asian market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love to wander the aisles and find some little ingredient I have never seen before, some kind of black Japanese sugar or black garlic. Well, you found, or, not so long ago, you found really in a very unusual location – you found a store, I guess, run by Pakistanis because they have a whole halal meat section, right? And then yeah. they have a lot of East Indian spices and Pakistani spices. They also now opened an entire aisle of Ukrainian food. Oh, interesting. And I love and, finding and that. They're Pakistani, right? I we, believe they are, And yeah. so they must be doing that because there are Ukrainians, we know, moving into yep. the area. Yeah, and... It just makes me happy to find a new ingredient. And let's say you don't really love to cook. Well, then go find something you do. Like Mark talked about activities. So let's say your hobby is making jewelry or beading or sewing. Go to Michael's. Go down the aisles. Find something that interests you that you haven't seen before. A new kind of bead, a new yarn, a new knitting needle, a new fabric to make something of. It doesn't actually even have to be food. You're right. It's most interesting to go find new producers, find little places that have opened up around you. A lot of, if you live in a larger city, a lot of the, well, what do we want to say, the suburbs and the pieces of town that were kind of very vibrant when I was a kid, like in the 70s, those places are now starting to revitalize. Mm -hmm. So you can often find all kinds of Russian, Ukrainian, Pakistani, um, Hispanic, Cuban, Venezuelan markets in those kind of places. And there's, you know, go in, have have yourself a big time. I, I remember with a neighborhood that I grew up in in Dallas before dad died and mom and dad still lived in the same house I grew up in. My mom now lives with my brother in St. Louis. But before that in Dallas, that neighborhood had become incredible. Hispanic, and there was this giant uh, Hispanic, Mexican, um, Latin American food market that came in oh, half a block from my parents' house where an old Safeway used to be. And every time we would go there, Bruce and I would go to that supermarket. I loved that store. They had the best guacamole and the <laughs> best tamales and all that kind of stuff. We'd stand there and buy our tamales and all that. Anyway, my mom was always like, oh, should I go in there? As if she was afraid. She was. She didn't know and what they I, had. I know my mom never went in there. And I kept saying, mom, first of all, the prices are ridiculously lower than any other place yeah. you're going to go. There be, they've got a real butcher because we're watching him cut up the pig in the back. And the pigs are hanging in the back. So it's not like the meat is brought in packaged. There's an actual butcher there. And see, you love all that. You grew up in your Texas. You, you love all that guacamole, tamale stuff. So go in there but she never would she was yeah. always afraid of it and it was 
I don't know. It always struck me as very sad. So what I'm telling you is if you pass a Lithuanian market in your neighborhood, don't be afraid. Go, Go in. in. Even if you just buy a roll in their bakery, try something new. Try something different. There's going to be Lithuanian tea or honey or something made somewhere else that you've never tried and that is a wonderful experience. It is. And, of course, there are lots of cooking classes online. And a lot of these cooking classes online actually involve making the food along with yeah. the instructors, like on Milk Street. Bruce and I are actually teaching an air frying class at the end of May with Milk Street. And, you know, it's set up so that you will cook along with us, which means that we'll all end up with dinner together at the end. And I think that that's really I don't know, fun, crucial, interesting, that to have people actually making the food with you. Remember when, during COVID and uh, the intense lockdowns, you were doing all that stuff with kids, and you and kids <laughs> were cooking online through local libraries. The local libraries had me do a weekly cooking class with kids, and one week we made dumplings, we made wontons. So we made it's our crazy. filling, and we all made our wontons. And it, was, it really was so much fun. And the kids were cooking, right? Yeah, they, they were, were making, making it. They, they were, were making, making it. wontons. They were doing it along with me. And Mark mentioned we're doing this class. If you go to our Facebook group, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, I'm going to post it there. The Milk Street class, we actually have a discount code, AirFry15. If you use that code, you'll get a discount on the class. It'll be a whole lot of fun. It's not the basics. We're doing a few more advanced recipes, and I'll, I'll post about it on our group. Are we doing brouette? Aren't we doing the filo rolls stuffed with goat cheese and honey? We're eggs? doing a filo roll for sure. I'm not sure. So. Yeah, I don't. You can tell that how much up on this I am. <laughs> I'll get more up on it as we get closer good. to the class. Oh, good. good. That's always good. Before we get to our one-minute cooking tip, let me say that we do have a newsletter. I will admit, and you'll hear about this at the end of this podcast, I will admit that I have not sent out a newsletter in about four Four weeks. Sorry about that. I have been incredibly busy with other things. Um, I'll tell you about that at the end of the podcast. But I've been incredibly busy with other things, and I haven't sent out a newsletter. But if you'd like to be on our newsletter, go to our website, bruceandmark.com. You can sign up there. Just drop down the screen, and there's a sign-up for the newsletter. If you sign up, let me say that I have locked all the sign-ups, so I cannot see your name or your email address. So I can't sell it. I can't see it. I can't access it. I can't save it. I set it up that way for privacy's sake. And, of course, at any moment, you can unsubscribe from that newsletter. So if you're interested, and it is not a rehash of this podcast, it is things beyond this podcast. So if you're interested, sign up there. Now on to our traditional second segment, our one minute cooking tip. Keep your blender, your food processor, your mixer and other smaller tools on your counters or right at the front of easy to reach cabinets. Why? You are much more likely to use them if you don't have to dig them out of the back of high places and then put them back there when you're done. Okay, what happens when you live in Manhattan, as we did, and you have a three-by-three three counter, and that's your counter? You could put them in a cabinet, but don't put them in the back of the highest cabinet. Put them where they're within easy reach so that you'll use them. Consider them as necessary for your cooking as a dinner plate, and as a chef knife. Yeah, I, I have to tell you a little story. So this is going to make it more than one minute. But I have to tell you the story that as our cookbook career ramped up, we did have a three-by-three three counter in, essentially in our apartment in Manhattan. And this cookbook career started you know, ramping up and becoming more and more part of our lives until we quit our jobs. And it was all of our lives and 
all that kind of stuff. Well, anyway, as that happened, of course, you can imagine that the kitchen in Manhattan, the kitchen exploded with stuff because we needed it for all this stuff. So we actually had to rent a storage space to hold kitchen equipment. Manhattan mini storage. We did. I put at, the extra food processors and mixers. And, and I, I always said to Bruce that the first step of every recipe should be, you know, like go to the mini storage <laughs> and get your food processor because that's what we had to do is we had to walk down the street with a cart and pull it out of mini storage. So. That was like my fourth food processor. But yes, I had to get a lot. And you utilize all the space. Don't be someone who's afraid to keep things out on top of cabinets and it's just like you'll use it so don't go for the totally clean kitchen look if you have room because if it's out yeah, you'll use it and uh, this is becoming a four minute cooking dip but i want to tell you that our air fryer has been out since we wrote our first air fryer book three years ago yep. and, and i bet we use it three four times a week i was gonna say four times a day yeah i mean Sometimes we use our air fryer all we just had falafel for lunch today from from the store i mean <laughs> falafel that bruce bought at the store and we stuck it in the air fryer and heated it up and had it for lunch with hummus Yum. I, I mean we use our air fryer all the time okay before we get to bruce's interview with Brittany mullins let me say it would be great if you could subscribe to this podcast if you could rate it that would be fabulous and if you could write even a review on google Podcasts or apple Podcasts, you can drop down to the bottom and it says write a review and even as great podcast or love to hear you or thanks a lot any of that just does amazing bits for the analytics and for the logarithms and all that stuff because this is an unsupported podcast and that is the way that you can support us all right now on to bruce's interview with Brittany mullins the author of the brand new book mostly vegetables today i'm speaking with Brittany mullins she is a certified health coach and the creative force behind the culinary website eating bird food and she's the author of the new book mostly veggies welcome Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. So, Brittany, you went to college and studied marketing, but from what you write in your book, sounds like the dining halls taught you the most important <laughs> lesson of all. Tell me about your early journey with food and nutrition. Sure. So I grew up eating a lot of Southern cooking that my mom cooked, which was delicious, but went to college like knowing that I wanted to lose a little bit of weight. So it actually came off pretty easy my freshman year, which is really interesting because I know a lot of people it's like that you know infamous freshman 15 kind of thing uh, but I just started doing more movement and getting just more knowledgeable about the food I was eating and then it was also really easy because the dining hall just like salad bars were just made for you and just <laughs> ready to go so I ate a lot of salads that's where my love from salads became, like started um and yeah after that I just got really inspired about helping other people um, get healthy, lose weight if that was their goal in sustainable ways. When you're planning a meal or even just filling your plate, you follow your mantra, mostly veggies, which is how you named your book. And a lot of people worry that if they do that, they're not getting enough protein. Is that a problem when you eat mostly veggies? I don't think so. There's still a place on your plate for the protein. If it's, it doesn't always have to be the standard like meat protein in my cookbook, I show you how to use plant-based proteins to get enough. Right. Um, and I think of in our society, um, in our culture, everyone eats more protein than they even realize. I think, I mean, sometimes it can be hard to get you to reach your protein goals, but at the same time, a lot of people do eat really meat heavy diets. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're getting plenty of protein. So it's good to add in 
some of these veggies and get those nutrients and fiber. What's your take on packaged meat substitutes? Um, only a few of the recipes in your book call for these kind of products. I'll have them here and there, but my go-to for plant-based proteins, if you want something really high in protein, not legumes, is tofu, tempeh, edamame. Those are the least processed. I mean, if you look at the ingredients, I've seen these little TikTok videos and stuff of the ingredients of like Impossible Burger or some of these meat substitutes. They are comparing it to, you know, dog food. So I'm more on like real foods, whole real foods. You have in your book a foolproof four-step method for meal planning. Keeps you organized, keeps you healthy. Give me a quick recap of this method. First step is to plan. So this is where you're going to look at your week, see what is on the calendar. Say you have you know, just like something going on some night, you want to make sure you have that written out um, and then decide, okay, how many dinners am I going to be making at home and kind of write out your calendar of what those will be. Come up with ideas for your breakfast and lunch. Lots of times I do repeat things for those just to keep it really easy. Like maybe you'll have two different options for breakfast and a few options for lunch. And I'm also big on leftovers. So using leftover dinner for lunch the next day kind of thing. So your first step will be your planning, just looking at your calendar, see what's ahead, and then planning out what wheels you want to make. The next stop, the next step is going to be to create your shopping list. Take inventory of what you have, what you're going to need to make the recipes that you picked out, um, and then just looking in your fridge, pantry, making your list, and then going to the store and buying it or ordering online. I have two small kids and I used to love going to the grocery store and walking the aisles and looking at everything and yep. seeing what was new. But now <laughs> I'm a big fan of ordering online. So it just makes my life really easy. And then um, whatever day you're going to prep, which I really like Sundays just to get ready for the week, you're going to start prepping either your full meals if you want or components. I look at what's ahead. And if I say I'm going to need onions and a couple recipes, I'll go ahead and chop them all at once. Mm -hmm. I'm going to batch cook some grains. I'm going to batch cook um, some veggies. I love roasting a bunch of veggies. And that's an easy way to get your plate to half full of veggies if you have already cooked veggies on hand. And if you're okay with leftovers, go ahead and batch cook some things. Like in the fall, I love doing a big pot of soup. And then we could have that for dinner on Sunday, as well as maybe two more dinners. Any tips and advice for people who are not used to being so organized? So I think you're just remembering that you can be flexible. It doesn't have to be all planned out, you know, and you also don't have to do every single meal of every, like put, put your takeout on Friday night, like just add that to your calendar and know that like, say, I know a lot of people are like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be feeling whatever I have planned for Monday night. Like I might mm -hmm. not be in the mood for that. Well, that's right. okay. Move it to the next night. I think once you see, once you start doing it a little bit and getting a little more organized with it and realize how much time and energy you're saving by doing it, I think it'll help you kind of get in the groove with it. <laughs> Brittany, I want to talk about some of the amazing recipes in your new book. You start the book off with breakfast and you have cold overnight oats, which as you say, are great lifesavers in the summer when you don't want a steaming hot breakfast. You have oats and a super crunchy granola. And you had something that just made me drool. Cinnamon roll baked oatmeal. Is it a pudding? Is it a cake? Is it oatmeal? Tell me about this dish. Okay, so I love baked oatmeal. I think it was 2020 maybe. I did a baked oatmeal every single month on my site. So I have so many different flavor combinations. But this one in the book, cinnamon roll, I just love it so much. And it like has a coconut butter drizzle or you can do icing. So there's either one. You could do the um, almond milk and powdered sugar or keep it a little bit healthier and do the coconut butter. But 
it's just a fun way to kind of, you know, have a cinnamon roll, but a healthy mm. way. And with baked oatmeal, it's not a cake and it's not a pudding. It's, but it is a little, it's like, it's like having oatmeal, but it's baked like an oat bar or it is a little puddingy, I guess. It's so good. You talked about starting your journey with the salad bars in college. And now you offer up a whole chapter of meal-sized salads in your book. I love the seaside chickpea salad. You've got sweet pickle relish in it, crumbled nori, celery. It looks like the perfect alternative to canned tuna salad. And yeah. you also have a number of jar salads in the book. What's a jar salad? Okay, so this is something I love as well. And it's a way to meal prep your salads where they don't get soggy. So you're going to put your dressing down at the bottom as well as hearty vegetables that can kind of stand the like dressing kind of pickling them and getting them really nice and tasty. And then when you're ready to eat it, so those can sit in the fridge for, you know, all week, basically. Um, and then when you're ready to eat it, you just dump it out. Your bottom will be the dressing with all of the veggies that have been kind of marinating in that dressing. And then your top will be your lettuce. And it's still really nice and crunchy, crisp, not wilty at all. So I love it for prepping. And they just look really pretty too. They're all layered with the ingredients. Yeah. I mean, they're fun. They would definitely, like, if you were to take it to an office, people would be envious and be like, oh, I wish I'd packed that for my lunch. <laughs> hey, sheet pan suppers have helped an entire generation of people looking to make dinner easier, but usually they involve chicken or pork. Can you give me an example of your favorite all veggie sheet pan supper? Yes. So one of my favorites is the first one in the book, actually. It's the tempeh and broccoli which, you know, most people are, you know, about beef and broccoli. Like it's a really classic. Um, that was always my favorite growing up. So it's kind of a take on that, but it has kind of an orange sauce on it, which mm. I love doing sweet sauces on tempeh. I think yeah. tempeh has a really like earthy, nutty flavor. Mm -hmm. And so it needs something really flavorful and like a little bit sweet to make it taste really good, in my opinion. Um, so this one, I mean, the this picture is so beautiful and it's like really saucy and it just this makes people want to make it I think um and so yeah you're gonna do tamari orange juice in the sauce um and then just cook it all up on a sheet pan and it has tons of protein and you have your veggie on there and then you can serve it over a little rice if you want or cauliflower rice to add even more veggies and it's delicious do you eat cauliflower rice raw or do you like to cook it cook it I do have it in one of the salads raw and I think it's good but I love cooking it up. Um, I just saute it in the pan, a little bit of salt and pepper. Keep it really easy. Brittany, you have a recipe in your book that is coconut butter. Now, coconut butter is an amazing substitute for butter on toast, on baked sweet potatoes, but it can be really expensive to buy. So yes. tell me about your homemade coconut butter. You literally just buy a pack of unsweetened coconut shreds, pop it into your food processor. It actually works best in the food processor I found. It's faster. You just dump your whole bag in, turn it on, let it go, and it turns into this creamy, smooth butter. Aside from toast and you drizzle it on those baked oatmeal, that's great. What are other things we could do with it? I put it in my protein balls, drizzle it on oatmeal, eat it by the spoonful as a snack. I mean, <laughs> it's so good. Do you keep it in the fridge or is it room temp? You can keep it at room temp. It does get solid. Same with like coconut oil. So what you do is I just make a little warm water bath to put your, I keep it in a mason jar. So just put the mason jar inside that warm water 
and it'll liquefy right back up. Brittany Mullins, your new book, Mostly Veggies, is beautiful. It's got recipes that we will all want to eat. Your website, Eating Bird Food, everyone can find more recipes there. Thank you for spending some time with me this morning. Yes, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. I am always up for more vegetables on my plate. And we've talked about this in our podcast before, but I've kind of uh, caught back on my meat intake. I won't eat meat more than once a day, and I count fish as meat. Yeah, so flesh. Um, right. So, well, I know a lot of people don't, but I won't eat meat more than once a day. So I've cut way back. So I'm always looking for to get more vegetables into everything I do. Well, she's got great ideas. Yeah. It, and it was great to hear her. You know, I mean, she is... I, I'm going to sound like an old fart, but she's part of a young, new crowd of mm-hmm. cookbook authors and influencers and social media personalities, and it's just great to see their ideas. It is. It's really, I, and she was a lot of fun to I, talk to. I, a lot of people my age feel threatened by that, and I'm always like, no, come on. It's great to watch it happen and change around you. Okay, as is traditional, the last moment of our podcast what's making us happy in food this week you can go first grapes are making me happy <laughs> and here's the thing i well it's just like a two-part i love grapes too except i like them in a bottle when you pour them into a glass but the marcos are first in the shaped water yeah. i love grapes but there's a couple of things about grapes. We are now recording this in the middle of April in New England where we are the furthest away from fresh fruit that we could possibly get. <laughs> it's not a fresh thing. And, There's barely ramps up where we are right and now. And, you know, I get by this time of the year, I'm tired of bananas. The pineapples are either rotted when you cut them open Ugh. and fermenting Ugh. or they're hard and gross. Ugh. But grapes are always delicious, always good, always there year-round, but... Grapes, in my mind, have to be crisp and a little crunchy. And when I buy where grapes, where is this going? And I get those soft, mushy grapes. I don't okay, like so those. Okay, so where is this going? Grapes are making me happy, and I've bought like well, twenty pounds of grapes. Are you going to say how you know weeks. how to buy grapes? This just sounds like the. Uh, well, you have inst- to be brought to you by the Grape Institute. You have to be really clandestine about this because I don't want to see anyone eating the grapes out of the bag. Oh my god! But you have to. The only way you'll know is if oh, you taste one. Oh my god! All right, so <laughs> moving on. What's making us happy in food this week for me is, and here it comes, nothing. <laughs> what have you not eaten this week? No, I've eaten it. Sorry. So this is. We need to take you on a trip to find some new ingredients. We do. And it, here's the thing I, I have really injured my shoulder and it's really messed up. I've been through an MRI and x rays <laughs> and physical therapy for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. And I'm avoiding everything with physical therapy, but it hurts all the time. And you know what? Here's what I decided. I was thinking about this before we recorded it about what's making me happy in food this week. And listen, I, I had some great meals. Bruce made delicious meals. Meals. He made even meals I requested. It's not that I haven't eaten. It's just that my mood is gross because of my shoulder. <laughs> oh, excellent. And I've decided it's okay. It's okay that I am sunk down in the oblivion of my left shoulder. You know, it's just not the best week for me. And so I ate. I had a good time. Uh, I went out to dinner with friends. Bruce made delicious meals. But in, in the end, you know, man, when your body hurts, it's hard to get away from when your body hurts. It so, is true. That is true. So but. the answer is nothing. And here's the thing that I want to leave 
it's okay. It is okay. On a food podcast, it's okay to say nothing ha- made me happy in food this week. So that's the podcast for the week. We're going to end up on that downer <laughs> note. Wow. That was really down, but okay. Grapes. Just eat grapes. Yeah, apparently in the freaking supermarket. <laughs> okay, so um, that was the podcast for this week. If you enjoyed our, your time with us, we certainly thank you for being here. We would love for you to subscribe and rate. As Bruce mentioned, there's a Facebook group, Who You Bruce and Mark. This podcast goes up there. Questions go up there. People answer stuff there. You can drop comments and questions all there for us about air fryers or anything else. Follow us on Instagram under our own names, Bruce A. Weinstein or Mark Scarborough. You can also message us through Instagram. We'd be glad to connect with you in any way you want. And we will see you next week, hopefully with a much better shoulder on Cooking with Bruce and Mark.